Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey there, it's Jody Katz, your host for Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast series is my side hustle. I do have a day job. I am the founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. We're the omni-channel branding agency hyper-focused on the beauty and wellness industries, and we're based in New York City. Today's episode is with my friend, Amanda Baldwin. She's the president of Supergoop. She's an incredible woman. We've known each other for many years. And if you missed last week's episode, please tune into that one as well. It's with Daniel Kaner. He's the co-founder of Orbe, and we recorded that one on location at CO Bigelow Apothecaries in New York City's West Village. Enjoy the shows. Okay, so I am so happy to be sitting here right in the flash. Right next to me is Amanda Baldwin. She is the president at Supergoop! Welcome where Brains Meets Beauty. Thank you. Glad to be here. So um, I'd like to start these episodes off with a little How We Met story, Mm -hmm. um, because I see the podcast as a way to humanize our industry, and it's not like I was born into a family that knew you, and right, like they're like our families have been traveling circles (laughs) together or whatever. Um, And I met you when you were at Strivectin, right? You were the CMO at Strivectin. In, and you were super pregnant when I first met you. <laughs> and um, I remember like this like very like straight shooter, like no BS, like direct and clear person. And I remember thinking, I wonder if that's how you are all the time, or is that just because you're pregnant? <laughs> um, I know, is, that's, that's pretty much me. <laughs> so what is your style? Oh goodness, that's a that's a big question to start off with. Uh, you know, look, I think at the end of the day, um, I think communication is everything uh, in business and in life, and that nobody knows what you're thinking, uh, and that perception is reality. So you better just say it straight, uh, and that's the best way to kind of get people to the places that you want them to be. I think I've learned a lot about hopefully being a great leader uh, and being very thoughtful about where other people are coming from and trying to put myself in their shoes and understand how they're going to filter the information and tailor my style to the individual. So I actually think I, I try to be as flexible as possible and understand that a conversation with a marketer is very different than a conversation with someone in operations or in product development or in finance, that, that their view on the world is going to be really different. Um, it's the thing that actually drew me into wanting to be a general manager, wanting to be a president. That was sort of always my goal because I love this idea of talking different languages, speaking different languages to people along the way. Uh, so I think my style is a lot about what's the style that's needed uh, for somebody else, not really what my personal style is. Right, but my guess is you're never going to be passive, aggressive, or... No, I just, I don't know. Life is too short for that, I guess. Uh, I just, I also believe in, in being a good person and that in the long run, you don't get great things to happen by being mean or yelling or throwing things. You get great things to happen because ultimately people buy into the vision and like you. Uh, And I've just uh, never really known how to do the drama thing or, you know, just be aggressive about something. It doesn't mean you're not straightforward uh, and you don't fight for what you believe in, but ultimately there's a person sitting across from you, uh, and don't forget that. Have you had bosses who are like the mind game 
type of people? No, I think probably that's why I've never gone in that direction. Uh, I've been very lucky. I mean, I when I think back over, uh, I guess I entered this industry in 2005, so you know, coming up on 15 years, that's my right math. Uh, getting close to that, I've worked for the best of the best, and every single person's been very different and had their own style. And I think I've also thought a lot about pulling from them what. I think they're the best at and kind of, I don't know, collaging that into something that works for me. Uh, but I've just, I've, no, I haven't. And I think I've steered clear of it. I think I can sense it. And I'm just like, that's not going to end well. Uh, and, you know, I pride myself on being able to get along with anybody and kind of even somebody like that. I try and figure out how to um, disintermediate that or kind of, and, I, and again, I find sometimes that behavior or even if somebody is being quote unquote, mean or aggressive to you, it's usually embedded in something else, and you can usually break that down. And, you know, I even remember when I started off as an investment banker, which has a lot of sort of big personalities, and I had a reputation for being able to work for anybody. Uh, and I always think about myself that way. That's so awesome. So tell us um, how you're going to spend your day today. Well, let's see. Uh, this, obviously. You know, what I love about my job is that it's so multi-dimensional. So I go from thinking about uh, the new product development of our company to talking with our head of marketing about what are we going to do for our big activations over the summer, talking with a partner about that. Um, you know, the funny thing is that most of my day, though, when, you, when I think about today, is, is much more about helping and counseling the people that directly report to me. Um, it's a weird feeling that you hit at a certain point in life where you're like, I'm not sure I'm doing anything And I've coached people on this because it is a little bit disconcerting when you reach a point in your career where your output is really, you got nothing to show for it. Everybody else has a lot to show for it. Uh, and so what I spend my day doing is mostly trying to think about what the big picture is, where are we trying to go, and giving people enough vision and direction to be able to do their jobs really well. And that's kind of what I've been doing so far this morning. And what's, what I'll do when I leave here uh, is a lot of conversations with uh, my direct reports and, quite frankly, all the way through the organization to help them go and do what they're supposed to do better. Um, is there a point or has there been a point at Supergroup for you where um, you felt like you needed to walk away from actually doing some of the work? or? Has that not like crept in? Like, have you been there? I think as you counsel? always have to be conscious of that, uh, and I think you also—it's always a balance. I think my balance is always keep away from that. But sometimes there's moments where the best way to teach is to sit there with someone and do it together, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not a failure. That's a. But I, I think what's always coming to my perspective is even if I have to step in and do it this once, let's make sure we back up and talk about what we did together so that you learn to do it the next time. Uh, and so, I don't know, I think I have, I have been leading teams for long enough that I've learned that, that, that the do it for other people never works, uh, you know, is a long-term strategy. So I've gotten pretty good at being okay with that, of letting go of, um, and I think I've learned a lot in the last year about hiring unbelievably, you know, unbelievably talented people who are better at it than you could ever be and being infinitely comfortable with that and infinitely excited about that. Uh, and 
that has been a, a big, big thing for me over the past year. You know, one of the things that I was charged with coming into this company was building the team uh, that I think the brand always deserved. And I get so excited when I think about the talent that's sitting around the table. And I know that every single one of them is a heck of a lot better at what they do than I will ever be. Uh, so that is sort of a, a very fortunate place to be sitting. <laughs> How did you find this opportunity with Supergroup? Oh, a headhunter call, which I guess never happens in life, right? You're like, wow, well, you know, um, that that's the truth. Uh, I was really excited and happy um, at what I was doing before. I was working for a great private equity fund, and, you know, my background is kind of finance meets beauty. Uh, and I don't know, I got a phone call, and it was one of those things that I'd, I don't usually go to the interview, uh, but I did. And, you know, I think ultimately I fell in love with what, um, our founder, Holly, is doing. Um, I loved that the brand was a mission. It was created with a mission, not with a business. And I think that there's there's an authenticity to the, what we're doing that is so important. I mean, our mission is to get everybody to wear SPF every single day. And when you have that purity as a leader, that's really exciting. Uh, and I felt like it was also, it was exciting for me to get to lead an organization, but I also felt like what I could bring to the table was exactly what the business needs. And I think a great match career-wise is when it goes both ways, mm -hmm. when the person's going to get as much out of it as the company is and, and vice versa. Uh, so, yeah, it's not a very exotic story. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think there's a probably, I would assume, a lot of pressure in taking, like, the... Um, taking the reins of the day-to-day -day yeah. operations of the business yeah. from a founder who has been doing this, you know, like this, she yeah. has to wear a lot of hats, um, and she's still very involved in the business. Mm -hmm. um, did you have an anxiety around that? And, like, how did you, how did you approach that challenge? I, you know, look, I, it's definitely a different kind of pressure. I think I always, you know, I grew up in the marketing world, and I always prided myself on being a marketer who didn't just sit in an ivory tower and not think about, you know, is there a product on shelf when I, you know, launched my, at the time, print campaign. Uh, but I think that this is a different kind of pressure when every number and everything comes back to you. Uh, if I think a lot about it, it's very daunting. I actually kind of opt not to think too much about it and just take one day at a time, one minute at a time. And I think that, you know, I remember signing up for our sales number this year, this time last year, and being like, oh my goodness, you know, that's a big jump. And I've just taken it one day at a time, and we're going to hit that number. So one day at a time, one minute at a time, one person at a time, one product at a time, you kind of, if you think too you have to have a big picture vision of where you're going, but I think meeting goals is about setting big, bold goals and a vision, but then breaking them down into a lot of small pieces uh, because otherwise I think to-do lists can become very overwhelming. So, yeah, if I think too much about it, I'm probably more daunted than I am. Uh, but, you know, I've always been someone that if I'm too comfortable in a job and feel like I can do it in my sleep, I get bored and I don't like to be bored. So I always like to be learning and be pushed. I think I'm at my best when I'm in that space and that's I don't know that's just sort of how I'm hardwired so if I'm thinking about Holly's experience in running the brand before you, you coming on um, she had to do everything right mm -hmm. and probably every decision went through her or if, if not she was mm -hmm. making the decision herself um, 
how, how do you, because um, I think this is like, you know, what's happening for your business is, is starting to happen. So, you know, mm-hmm. some of the other businesses, like the independent brands that we've seen, like, mature a little bit over the past few years, they're probably, some of them are going to get to the point where, you know, that founder needs to step and do some foundry mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, customer-facing and retail-facing things, and we need a president or somebody in operations to take over um, and help grow. So this is going to happen to a lot of the brands that we know and some that we work with. Um how do you how do you fuse like the two different backgrounds that you both have and um, the roles that you have to to keep moving forward and you know not I guess step on her toes? Yeah, people ask me this a lot, and I think the best way to explain it is that there has never been a big conversation about it. There's not a list of you do this and I do this. It's been seamless and. I think that's the best sign that it's working, uh, that it's just very obvious <laughs> what Holly needs to do every day and what I need to do every day and where to come together and where to talk about things and where not to bother about it. Um, obviously, you know, I product is the place where Holly is still and will always be queen. Um, I'm involved in that process from my experience, but I... I often have moments where I say, whoa, Amanda, just back off. You know, that is not, this is about a founder's vision. This is what has always made this uh, brand great. Um, don't meddle with it. Create systems and processes that can enable it, but don't don't touch it because the magic is what's already been happening. Uh, and then there's places where I've gotten a lot more involved and where, you know, I don't think that Holly need, should ever have to worry about, um, sort of back-end operations or systems like that. But what I love about her is that she does care, and she ultimately does want to know. And it's a very easy balance that when something happens, because, you know, you're in this business, something always does, it's all hands on deck. Let's figure it out. And I think that I respect the fact that she has a lot of history and a lot of knowledge about this business that I don't. She may have been through it before. She, So I think that... I think that I hope at some point that will be a case study of kind of mutual respect mm-hmm. and being a really good dovetail of skills that um, each one of us knows that we're not going to get to the promised land without the other, uh, and but that there's not enough hours in the day to both be doing the same thing. Uh, and I don't know, it's, it's, like I said, there's never been a list, there's never been a conversation, it just kind of is. And I think that's probably the best sign that something's working. And you based the company in New York and in Texas? Yeah, so Holly lives in San Antonio. Uh, I always joke that there's no way that you would create a brand that's about living in the sunshine and doesn't believe in the color black if it was based in New York. (laughs) Uh, So we very much um, love and will always be about our Texas roots, um, and that's where the, the soul of this company is. I think Holly, back to sort of who she is, I think she very early on realized that if she wanted to build a marketing organization and hire a president, that her access to talent was just going to be different in New York or L.A., and her brother happens to be also very involved in business and lives in New York, and I think that's kind of why the gravitational pull came to New York. Uh, I think there was sort of a pragmatic aspect to that. Uh, and so we have our marketing team here, direct-to-consumer, all of the, you know, what I call the fairy dust, and then I say the fa- important stuff happens in San Antonio, which is product and operations and finance, and it's really seamless. I think that in this day and age, so much can be done digitally, That, but we still have a lot of fun when we all get together. So. so we've been trying to um, schedule this recording together for a really long yes. time. I mean, we started the podcast a year ago, January, so it's not more than a year that we've been trying. No, probably about six months. <laughs> so, um, and I'm so grateful that you're here now. Can yeah. You tell us what you've been doing. What keeps you so busy? What keeps me so busy? Uh, 
A lot. I think that, you know, I have found it to be an incredible gift to be able to be involved in building a company. But I think you kind of, it's a whole nother level of just what has to get done on a daily basis. And I think the last year has really been about laying the foundation for everything that's going to come in 2018 and beyond. And there was always and always will be, like I said, unbelievable product in this brand, the DNA, the mission. Those were the greatest gifts that you could give someone. Quite frankly, why I decided to come to this brand is I saw all the building blocks of something incredible. Uh, but it was, you know, mission number one was like, how do you create the team and the infrastructure and kind of the planning and the marketing? And this brand has really not had very much marketing until this summer. We had never spent true marketing dollars on this brand. And so you have to build a lot in order to be able to do be able to push go. So there's no one thing that I think has been so time consuming, but I think that um I think we've also just kind of the few days that I've had to cancel, we've gotten unlucky and just scheduling things. So I don't want to, you know, it's uh, always good to make time for things like this. I think we love to talk about our business. So. Yeah, I mean, I um, I'm so glad that you're here, you're here because when I conceived of the show, there's a few people that I thought of like, you know, like these these guests need to be here, right? And you're one of them. Um, and I just I just really dig you. You know, I just love that you're so you're so crystal clear in your communication. You always have such a strong vision. You're also a realist, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I find that um, in working with you, like actually client working with you, but also just like being around you, like I, I think your feet are rooted in reality um, and not some like fantasy. And that's, I think, probably part of the success is like you have realistic expectations and you know how to make those things happen. Um, you know, Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's, I just really dig you. (laughs) Thank you. The feeling feeling is mutual. I think that's why I think I see a lot in this in you too. So that's the same things in you. So I think that's probably, I think, look, I think there's always a balance between, I am totally an optimist. I'm a big dreamer. I wouldn't be sitting in an indie company if I didn't think that big things can happen and to dream big. Uh, but I, like I, we were talking about before, I think you have to break that down into what are the little building blocks that are going to get you from A to B. And I think leading people is a lot about helping them see, you know, get their feet on the ground and not be overwhelmed by all the things that have to happen and kind of one step it around and, and being kind of a realist about it. Uh, and I think, I don't know, there's always a fine line between, we talk a lot about this, of you know, setting big, lofty, visionary goals and then just kind of knowing how hard you can push and when to back off and when to push again and, and just really reading people and reading the organization and, um I think probably people um, who are on my team would say I, I definitely have pretty big, big goals for us. Um, but I'm glad you say that I'm realistic. <laughs> yeah, you you, um, uh, you said something to me. I think we were at an event and um, sitting next to each other, and you like half whispered something to me that I like literally use all the time. Oh gosh. And I do footnote what was you, it? Um, <laughs> that there's a lot of products but not a lot of brands. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I use it a lot because I think that yeah. like the the kind of chaos and frenetic energy in our business right now. Like sometimes I I really feel like vomiting, right? Like all this like, <laughs> newness and the yeah. push and the cycle. And I think about it a lot and I share that thought and I always footnote you when I do because um, there's a big difference, right? Yeah. I mean, I look, I've, I've always, for as long as I can remember, been a brand person. I'm fascinated by it. It's the intellectual underpinning of everything that I do. I wrote a college thesis on brands. I wrote 
high school papers on it. I'm just fascinated by what it is about a brand that makes it connect at a higher level. I think, and I, and I think it's interesting because I think there's a lot of conversation now about how much the world is changing, which it certainly is. Uh, but I think that sometimes in all of the noise of social media and direct to consumer and all these things that are incredibly, incredibly important and to ignore how different the world is now is just not setting yourself up for success. I think there's maybe could be a little bit more conversation about the underlying tenets of brand and emotional connection and the things that you can't necessarily punch into a spreadsheet that are still going to separate um, things from the pack or, and are going to have companies sit here in 30 years from now, 40 years, 50 years from now. And I think some of that's also, you know, look, I worked for Clinique and Dior as my, you know, major beauty experience. And, you know, you can't work on those two brands and not appreciate brand. Uh, You know, you just, you can't be in those environments and look at, you know, you walk on the Clinique floor and everything is white and green and you go into Dior and, you know, that a wonderful obsession with how black is black and the detail and the story and the history and the codes and you know you just you can't be in those environments and not get brand and quite frankly that's why you know getting back to the supergroup that's I saw that little inklings of things that like wow this really has the potential to be a brand with a capital B and I think that at the end of the day that is the kind of stuff that will stand the test of time and create real um, you know, movement in the industry, and and um, but I think it's that should not be taken as a discount of the power of product. So I think that differentiated product is where a great brand starts. Uh, but I think that I emphasize differentiated, breakthrough, innovative. Uh, I think that there's a lot of sameness out there, uh, and sort of a the walls of competition and beauty have fallen so dramatically that I think that, you know, barriers to entry are basically zero. (laughs) Not quite, but, you know, you need an Instagram account and, um, you know, some manufacturing and you, and and I think it's creating this wonderful change in the industry, but, you know, who's going to be here in a few years? I think you got to think about those tenants, which have never changed. And if you look at the great brands in the industry, they all have that, uh, and it's not to be taken for granted. Right. Well, that um, that takes time and money to develop, right? It takes time and money, and I think, and I think it takes a little bit of um, genius, for lack of a better word. I mean, I think that when I think about the brands that are that have impressed me over time and will continue, there's something in that founder often uh, that is special and unique and insightful and just, you can't necessarily put a finger on it, but it's there, they have it. I'm sure you see this all the time, you appreciate it as somebody who's you know meeting with a lot of different people and I think that you can't make up. You can't manufacture that. I don't think that you do that because you wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm just going to start a beauty brand. You have a purpose behind it. Right. I mean, a lot of people, honestly, who just wake up one day and decide they want to make a beauty brand, right? So it's um, it's because there's no barrier to entry, and I make a friend, and the friend might be a hairstylist or a makeup artist mm-hmm. or whatever, or a statistician. Let's just build a brand together. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's just part of the noise. It's like yeah. there's not there's not ne- always an appreciation for... Um, the work it takes, how hard it is, how how much finesse it requires. Um, It just feels a little bit like the Wild West Mm -hmm. um, to me. 
um, which I think that's sort of what creates a little bit of that feeling of um, like it's too much. Um, and I look forward to a, a bit of a weeding out. Um, you know, I think that the, the companies that really aren't brands and aren't really focused on like, you know, what the customer really wants and why she cares about this product, because maybe they can't answer that question, they'll, they'll disappear. Mm-hmm. And we'll have, you know, some strong players, you know, of many different sizes still standing. And I, I am actually looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I never knew that this industry was going to be quite as exciting as it is. I think that when I got into it originally, I was like, okay, this seems like some place that would be a good place to start a career in marketing. And I never knew how much I would fall in love with it and, quite frankly, how interesting it would get. Mm-hmm. I feel like getting, you know, quote-unquote born into this moment where I had a lot of the old world, um, but I'm going to have a lot of the new world in my career. And I like the fact that I will have sort of spanned this kind of incredible shift. You can't plan for that. Uh, and that was, that's just sort of a lucky, lucky break for sure. So um, I want to talk about business school because mm-hmm. um, I went to the school of life. <laughs> I didn't go to business school and I want to know what, what I'm missing. Oh, boy, that's a loaded question. Uh, you know, I had a wonderful experience in business school. Um, and I think that, you know, what did I learn in business school? You know, the one, the one thing that I would say from just a macro point of view about school in general, and goodness, I hope that, you know, Wharton won't hold, me again, <laughs> hold this against me, but I think that in school, and I would say this about high school and college and all this stuff, how much you actually retain of the actual information I think in some ways that's tangential to the whole experience. I think that school in general is about learning how to learn, learning how to process information. And it's funny because I actually just the other day threw out a lot of my textbooks from business school because the world's changed so much. And I'm like, I'm never going to go back and look at this because it's probably not even true anymore. So they were but, taking up space in your apartment? I did, and I had to clean it out because, you know, my son is just, you know, his stuff has exploded over our living room. I was trying to get some of it on a shelf. Uh, and I was like, okay, it's time to part with my marketing textbook from 2005. You know, that's probably not relevant anymore. Uh, but I think the what what I did learn was an incredible amount of skills about understanding how the business industry worked. Um, but I think most importantly, when we go back to that original question that you asked about style and leadership, I think I learned in college who I was as a person. I learned in business school how I came across to other people. And I will never forget some of, you know, there's a lot of these sort of business school-y things where they put you in a room and talk about what people perceive of you originally or and how you interact in a team and what kind of leader. You don't really have that conversation when you're a little bit younger, right? Because it's all about who am I even to myself in the first place. But I would say, I mean, I remember vividly some conversations where people shown, you know, mirrors or magnifying glasses uh, on things that I was like not super proud about um, and became very aware of them. And I think that was the greatest gift, aside, of course, from meeting my husband, so that, you know, business school worked out from that perspective. But I think the people that I worked on teams with and those conversations about, you know, Amanda, you could have presented the information differently this way. I felt this way when you said that. That kind of stuff really has stuck with me and made me hyper aware as I grew into a leader. All that stuff, you know, so I thank all of my classmates who maybe gave me the harsh feedback of where I wasn't necessarily um, doing what I could have to be a great team member and a great leader. And I think that is the greatest gift that business school gives you. Um, so that was a an approach that 
was like, were you like in the center of the room and everybody's talking about how they feel about you? Well, we had something called a learning team, which mm -hmm. was a group of five or six people that you did all of your group projects to in the first year. And there were facilitated feedback sessions. And I remember the first one and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> what did they say? Uh, you know, I was some. You know, I was somebody who like always thought that it, you know, if if something wasn't getting done, I was going to just step in and do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, you mm -hmm. kind of see how much I've evolved from the class, the questions that you've asked before. And I remember them being like, you know, you just can't just do that. Like, what about us? We want to have an input too. Like, you know, we appreciate the fact that you're like got to get the assignment done, but it's not just about you. Uh, and I remember that, and I remember leaving and feeling terrible but a real light bulb going off for me. Uh, and obviously, you know, like I said, as we've had this conversation today, you probably can tell how much that impacted me and how thoughtful that made me about how I was going to interact with other people and, and really, really listen and really... And those groups were extremely diverse. Not everybody came from the same industry or the same country, quite frankly. There were people from all over the world. And you just had, a, you know, such a dramatic point of view of, you're like, really? You thought that? I didn't mean that. But if that's what they thought, then that's what it meant to them. Uh, so Was it, um, what did it feel like in that moment to get that, that criticism? Because I'm sure in your head you're oh, thinking, like, hard. I'm a rock star. This yeah, is great. it was terrible. Uh, it, it was, um, I remember feeling ashamed, I think, that I didn't uh, get it faster. Um, and then ultimately incredibly grateful. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm somebody that's like 100% convinced that I can always do everything better. So I try and process feedback and mistakes and things that don't go quite according to plan in that way. And I hope that I try and help everybody that I'm working with process them in the same time. Like, let's not dwell a lot on what didn't go the way that we wanted. Let's talk about what we're going to do next time. I would imagine you have to be pretty introspective to be able mm -hmm. to accept that feedback and believe it yeah. from your peers. Yeah. Um, like you, It does require some emotional maturity. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always, I think I've always, you know, this is very uh, personal, but I think I've always been very self-aware uh, and like okay with not being right. Uh, that's, again, I think one, every, everyone's wired differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly where that comes from, genetic coding. Uh, I was a gymnast growing up, and that had an incredible impact on me, um, obviously not just from a physical point of view, but from a mental point of view, and it's a really interesting sport and in that there's just nowhere to hide, right? I mean, you've got to be really self-aware. You've got to be very grounded in your body physically in order to balance on the top of a balance beam. But you also, when you mess up, you mess up, you know, and you got to get your butt back up on that balance beam even if you've fallen 10 times. And I think the, that kind of doing that my whole entire life, I think, made me feel okay with you get something, you know, when you learn a new trick, you do it thousands of times and mess it up before you start to get it right. Um, so you were talking about your team and, you know, um, building the team that you think Supergroup always deserve, which mm -hmm. is incredibly sweet to say. Um, and it makes me wonder um, what you look for in new hires. Like, what, what is that all-star team? What do you look mm -hmm. for in someone? I think, I, you know, the, the most important thing, I believe there's some things that you can learn and some things that are just innate. And I think that the most important things that I look for that are innate are 
incredible passion and drive, um, especially in a young company. You've got to want it. You've got to be hungry. Um, you got to be willing to go the extra mile. Um, extreme level of adaptability. Again, I think more, more now than ever, the world is always changing. You have to be really comfortable that what got you there six months ago may not be what gets you there in six months from now. And like, you have to thrive off of that. Uh, again, even, you know, double click on that for a small company where the business and what it needs is changing every, every few months. Um, I look for good people, nice people who have good values, who are going to treat other people with respect, who are going to be good leaders, who are going to be good team members. How do you see all this through like an interview process? I think you can get a pretty good feeling for people. Uh, I always remember the first time that I interviewed um, a bunch of people for a job. It was when I was, I think I had first started at Dior. And I was always like, oh, everybody must sound the same. And I interviewed 10 people in one day for a job. I was like, oh my goodness, nobody sounds the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. You very quickly see how much variation, same job description, what variety you get. I don't know, I think I have a gut instinct for it uh, of knowing, just kind of getting a feel for somebody's personality. I think. I think they give away a lot and just kind of how they answer questions. And I don't, I'm not too formulaic about it. Mm-hmm. You, don't, uh, you don't have this list of zingers that you slay? No, and, I, and I'm not really there to try and trip somebody up. Uh, I really, you know, I often just listen to have them tell, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. And I find that there's a lot that people, that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really need to, you know, poke and prod too much to probably get a lot. I've been so far so good at that, but you know, you make mistakes too. So um, the last question I have for you is related to um, how you disconnect. So I know you Mm -hmm. work hard and sometimes working hard means working long sometimes. So like, what is your process? Like, are you putting the phone and the computer in a cabinet at night? Are you just on and all night long until you fall asleep? Like, maybe disconnecting doesn't happen. Tell me, tell me what's happening. Yeah, it's imperfect, I'm sure. Um, you know, I think um, I was, I have a son who's, who's three, and I think that, not to do too many working mom stereotypes, but I think that actually having a child puts a lot of things into perspective, and you know, just kind of the rest doesn't matter uh, when you're with him and doesn't mean you're not really passionate about your job, but that little face and that little smile is just, you know, there really is no better way to kind of let the rest wash away. Uh, And so I think that's an important thing and obviously is a relatively new thing in my life and I think has forced me to be better at prioritizing and all, all those things that people talk about because that is just sort of non-negotiable to be able to be there for him when I can, even though I do travel and work very hard. Uh, The other thing is that I'm personally a a lover of art, and I'm certainly not even remotely equipped to be a specialist, but I find that uh, being in a museum or being in a gallery is just kind of this unbelievable relaxation and release to me because I love create. you know I got into beauty and out of finance because I was like where's the creative part of my job uh I can't do anything creative to save my life but I have an unbelievable appreciation for it and so there you know when I'm traveling if I can just sneak something in uh or you know an hour on a Saturday it's like I can live on three or for three or four months on that one hour of just being in somebody else's creative space and yeah, I really enjoy that. Um, I'm struggling with the um, 
this like physical reaction and need for like more messages to come in. So like I have my day and mm-hmm. I'm like at my desk, like I'm yeah. basically on the phone or on email all day or like my team and I text a lot, but you know, I'm using my fingers all day, like needs coming in, whatever. And, um, you know, 6.30 rolls around and I look at my phone and there's like not much going on and 7.30 rolls around. I'm like, where is it? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want it to come because I want to not work, but yet my body craves it. Um, so I have a hard time. Like I have to like literally talk to myself mm-hmm. in my head. Like I don't need to respond to anything and there's nothing to respond to. And like, yeah. you're acting crazy, Jody. Um, do you like, do you feel like you always have to keep looking and waiting for the next thing? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that it definitely, we live in a world now where there's an expectation of always on and trust me, I'm, I'm right there with everybody else. But I think I definitely have moments where I'm like, man, it's okay not to work every minute of every day. Like those other moments are incredibly important, whether it is with your family or doing something that's important to you, or I still try and exercise, even though it's sort of a losing battle, but the time, you know, just taking that time and not feeling guilty about it. I think that, um, there is this pressure now that, you know, working longer makes you better. And I try and realize that it probably doesn't. Um, and that those moments that you take to step away are actually going to make you more creative and think more clearly. And, uh, you know, again, this is coming from somebody who started life as an investment banking analyst. So like, my bar is very high in terms of what I think is normal, uh, in terms of work ethic. Uh, and I think that's, you know, back to things you look for. It's a big one. That's very important to me, but I think, you also have to know when it's just time to go do something which isn't about that. Uh, or at least tell yourself and kick yourself in the butt to go do it. Yeah, I take. I have to, like, talk to myself. I talk my, to myself quite often. Yeah. Like, move through. Stop. Put yeah. it down. You don't need it. You can just watch and you, them. You, I think a fa- I have a lot of respect for founders. I see, you know, obviously now I work with, with one, and so I see it in, like, you know, living color every day. I think there is something special in founders that is above and beyond what I'll ever understand of it is your baby, it's your life, and I can imagine that the how hard that is to ever be able to turn it off. I certainly have a lot of appreciation and sort of know my place in the ecosystem of that there's just, it is going to filter to me a little bit differently no matter how passionate I am and how much I care and how much I'm going to give to this. I'm still not the founder and... So I think your, your challenge is probably at a whole nother level um, yeah. when the business is 100% your own. Well, thank you for your wisdom yeah. today. Yeah, great um, to be here. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Amanda. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, please follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.